0: turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, we'll be looking at this story of the wise men, Uh, if you're looking in the Pew Bibles, it is on page 960, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, let's read together. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. For many people today, becoming a worshipper of Jesus is not an easy thing. Many people today have grown up with little or no experience in church, and so church can seem strange and imposing, sort of like a foreign country that you've never visited, where they speak a language that you've never learned. In addition, many people have grown up with relatively little exposure to the Bible. Uh, When I was in college, I had a Spanish teacher who had finished her PhD in comparative literature. Uh, She was very intelligent, she had read many books, uh, but she had never read the Bible. It simply wasn't part of her upbringing, or her education. Uh, many people grow up uh, not just without being exposed to Christianity, but with a loyalty to a different religion, or a different set of beliefs and practices. Uh, in that case, worshipping Jesus would mean leaving behind ancestral traditions or prior habits and assumptions. My wife and I have a friend who... Uh, is now a Christian, but uh, who was previously an active member of the Unitarian Universalist Society. Uh, Now, Unitarian Universalists pride themselves on being broadly accepting, non-judgmental searchers after truth. Uh, But my friend, uh, in her experience, she, she, she realized that there was one thing that was absolutely forbidden in her Unitarian Universalist community. She must always keep searching for the truth, but she must never claim to have found it. One day she asked the leader of her society, but what if I do find the truth? Truth with a capital T, not just my truth, but the truth about life and God. He had no answers. She concluded that uh, if she ever did find truth with a capital T, that she would no longer belong in the community that she had known and loved for many years. So when she began to consider Christianity, there was a cost. Finally, I think many people, whether they've grown up inside or outside of the church, find it difficult to worship Jesus because they've had negative experiences with Christians or with churches. Maybe you've encountered Christians who spend a lot of time in church but don't seem any better for it. They know a lot about the Bible, but they're cynical and apathetic, or harsh and off-putting, or dishonest and hypocritical. You think, why would I want to join those people? For many people today, becoming a worshiper of Jesus is no easy thing. And numerous obstacles stand in the way. And in the story we just read, Matthew introduces us to a group of people who faced many obstacles, many hindrances on their way to worshiping Jesus. Tonight I want us to consider two questions. What obstacles hindered these wise men from the east? And second, what drew them, despite all the obstacles in their way, to come all the way to worship Jesus? So first, what obstacles hindered them? Consider some of the things that stood in their way between them and Jesus. Well, first, there was logistical inconvenience. Verse one says they came from the east. Now, Matthew doesn't give us a precise uh, uh, geographical description of where they came from. Uh, So some people think they came from Persia, that is modern-day Iran. Uh, Others think they came from Babylon, modern-day Iraq. Uh, Others have suggested southern Arabia, which would be modern-day Yemen or or the bottom of Saudi Arabia. But regardless of where exactly they started, They started from a long way away. They had to travel hundreds, perhaps over a thousand miles over deserts, mountains, and rivers. According to verse 7 and verse 16, the star first appeared nearly two years before they arrived in Jerusalem. Now perhaps they hadn't been traveling that whole time, but they might well have been traveling for several months. Traveling anywhere back then, especially traveling outside your home country, was uncomfortable, dangerous, and expensive. This wasn't a journey that anyone would have taken lightly. It was logistically inconvenient to find Jesus. But that wasn't the only barrier separating them from Jesus. There was also a lack of knowledge about the Bible. If you read the opening of Matthew chapter 1, the first 17 verses are a long list of Jesus' Jewish Ancestors, including Abraham and David. He was born into a Jewish family. He was raised by Joseph and Mary. But these guys, these wise men, weren't Jewish at all. They were outsiders, foreigners. And they had most likely been raised with little, if any, exposure to the Bible. Now, some scholars have speculated perhaps the wise men had some prior contact with the fledgling Jewish community in Babylon or in Persia. During the exile, Jews had traveled, uh, well, had been forcibly carried that way, and some of them had settled there, but that was hundreds of years ago. Uh, the prophet Daniel uh, had lived in Babylon and in Persia, and, he, and in his writings he talked about a great king of the Jews that would one day arise. So some people think, well, maybe they had heard of these writings, these prophecies of Daniel, but Daniel had died 500 years before these guys lived. When they arrive in Jerusalem in verse two, they don't say we've read the prophecies from the Bible and we're coming here because we've read them. They they don't mention the Bible at all. They just say we saw a star and it led us here. Third, they had competing loyalties. The wise men almost certainly engaged in religious practices that the Bible explicitly prohibited. Uh, Now, the word translated wise men appears only in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. If you look throughout the whole Old Testament, it only appears there. And there, the word refers to Babylonian and Persian scholars who studied a wide range of topics, including magic and astrology. Now, the Bible always speaks positively about learning, but it always speaks negatively about astrology and magic prophet Jeremiah said, "'Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them, for the customs of the peoples are vanity.'" The prophet Isaiah said, "'Those who divide the heavens, who gaze at the stars, who at the new moons, make known what shall come upon you. Behold, they are like stubble. The fire consumes them. They cannot deliver themselves.'" The Bible mocked astrology, trying to find one's future in the stars. These, if these wise men really started to take the Bible seriously, they would find it necessary to leave behind some of the things that they had been trained in and had practiced for many years. So there was logistical inconvenience, there was lack of biblical knowledge, there was a competing loyalties, and finally, a negative experience. Think about their first encounter with people who actually did know some of the Bible, quite a bit of the Bible. Well, when they came to Jerusalem, the first person they seemed to encounter was King Herod. By this time, Herod had been reigning as king of Judea for 35 years, and in his latter years he became increasingly paranoid and jealous of any potential threats to his power. He, had killed, his, he killed his wife and two of his sons. And so when he said in verse 8, let me know where the king is so I too can go and worship him, he wasn't being serious. He was being conniving, and later on in the chapter, he literally tries to kill uh, the baby Jesus and any other children that age because he didn't know which one it was. He wanted to eliminate any potential threats to his power. Uh, But we also see not only uh, a political leader who had gone mad, but we see in verses four to six the chief priests and the scribes of the people, in other words, the religious leaders and scholars, the people who knew more of the Bible than anyone else, They could quote the prophecy about where the Messiah was supposed to be born off the top of their heads. But notice that they showed no interest in searching for the Messiah themselves. Bethlehem was a five mile walk from Jerusalem. You could get there, you could do a day trip, there and back in less than a day. None of the scribes joined the wise men in their journey to find the newborn king. The wise men had journeyed for months. But the religious leaders and scholars who knew much more than they did didn't even bother to take a day trip to see if it was true. So I wonder if you can identify with any of the obstacles that these wise men faced. Are there hindrances, are there blockages, are there barriers that stand between you and Jesus that make it difficult for you to draw near to him, to worship him? Are there logistical inconveniences perhaps discourage you from coming to church, or a lack of knowledge about the Bible that makes you feel inadequate, or a competing loyalty that you would hesitate to let go of, or negative experiences with Christians that have left a bad taste in your mouth. We could talk for a long time about these and many other obstacles that people face. The path to worshiping Jesus is not always smooth or easy. And for those of us who have been worshiping Jesus for a long time, Let's not forget how difficult it is to come to Jesus for the first time. And sometimes it's difficult along the way to continue, to draw close to him and to continue to worship him. For some of the same for the same and different reasons. But the surprising thing about this story is not all the obstacles that these men faced, but that they were drawn to worship Jesus despite all the things that stood in their way so that's the second question i want to ask is what drew these men to worship jesus despite the many obstacles and hindrances matthew points us to three things that drew these men to jesus first there was a star that got them searching now many people have wondered what star was it that they saw was it a supernova or a comet or Jupiter and Saturn coming near each other in their orbits? Or was it a supernatural source of light that cannot be fully explained by normal astronomical patterns, sort of like when the Israelites went through the wilderness and God provided a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Perhaps it was something like that that guided the wise men along their way. Matthew doesn't give us the details, astronomically speaking, And like most other events that happened 2,000 years ago in history, we simply don't have access to enough data to be completely sure exactly, precisely what happened. But one thing is clear. The star got them searching. And these men had diligently studied the stars for years. Now some of their beliefs about stars might have been superstitious or erroneous, but in studying the stars, they were studying the real world that the real God had made. And in God's mercy, God met them right where they were. God spoke to them as it were in their own language. He met them in the middle of their one of their fields of expertise. But God didn't meet them where they were so that they could stay where they were, God met them where they were so that he could bring them and lead them where they needed to go. He sent a star into their field of vision to get them searching. And I wonder if you have experienced or observed something that has got you searching. Maybe a spiritual experience that surprised or startled you. Maybe you look up at the sky and feel a sense of wonder at the vastness of the universe. Maybe you think there's something more. There's got to be something more. Or there's something missing. These are all clues. These and many more are all clues that God sends into our paths in order to get us searching. But notice that the star all by itself did not lead them directly to Jesus. The star led them to the scriptures. Right? Led them to Jerusalem. And they said, we know a new king has been born. We think that's what this star means. But they didn't know exactly where he was. The star by itself didn't lead them all the way to the house. They went to Jerusalem because it was the most prominent city in Israel. That's where the ancient kings of Israel had reigned from. But they wouldn't find Jesus in Jerusalem because he had been born a few miles away in Bethlehem. And they needed the scriptures to tell them that. That's how they figured out he was in Bethlehem. Because the scribes said, oh yeah, that's where he was supposed to be born. That's where you should go to encounter him personally. So if you've been spiritually searching, let me urge you to open up the scriptures. Maybe start by reading one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Tells about Jesus himself. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to take one home with you. You can even just take the one in the pew in front of you. We have more, we'll replace them. You're not stealing. (laughs) So there was a star that got them searching. There was the scriptures that led them to Jesus. But there's one more thing in the background. There was the Spirit of God that carried them all along the way. Earlier we read two prophecies from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, the Hebrew prophet who lived hundreds of years before Jesus. He spoke about a child who had come into the world to be a light, not just for the people of Israel, but for people from all the nations of the world. And now the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb to be his servant, I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. You see, all along, God had a plan and a purpose to bring people from all over the world, Mm -hmm. even from far away, to encounter his Son, to find the true light of the world these wise men to come from so far away, despite the logistical inconvenience, despite their lack of biblical knowledge, despite their competing loyalties, despite the indifference of the scribes they encountered in Jerusalem, the Spirit of God was drawing them, energizing them, beckoning them, motivating them, leading them all along the way to the light of the world. And so that when they finally found Jesus, they fell down and worshipped Him and offered Him their most precious treasures. And the same Spirit of God that drew these wise men long ago on a long journey across many barriers and hindrances is still alive and active in the world today. And the invitation for each one of us here is to join these wise men who had so many obstacles standing in their way between them and Jesus. But to join them in worshiping the newborn King, the light of the world. As with gladness men of old did the guiding star behold, as with joy they hailed its light, leading onward, burning bright, so, most gracious Lord, may we evermore be led to Thee. God, we thank you for this fascinating and unexpected story. Some of the people who might have been considered most unlikely to worship the King of the Jews, the promised Messiah, came from far away despite many hindrances despite many things that could have discouraged them. Lord, we pray that despite whatever hindrances might be in each of our way, that your spirit would lead us to Jesus, the light of the world. That we would be drawn closer to him. Help us to seek Him and find Him. We pray this in Jesus' name.